Well, good morning. My name's Brett. Been gone for a while. Good to see you. <laughs> uh, it's good to be back. Good to see everybody. Um, if you have a Bible with you this morning, please turn to John chapter 7. John chapter 7, and we'll be reading verses 37 to 39. Um, If you're just joining us for the first time, uh, I've been preaching through the book of Luke lately. Uh, We're almost done with that. We have one chapter to go. We should finish that in the next couple of weeks, Lord willing, but we're going to do something a little different this morning. Uh, as I just said, I haven't been here for a while. I've uh, been uh, out of the pulpit for a while. I typically do bulk of the preaching here, but I've actually been out of the pulpit for the last six weeks now. That's actually the longest I've been out of the pulpit since we planted the church back in 2010. And listen, that break from preaching uh, was very, very good for my soul in many, many different ways. Um, I did. Uh, end up praying a ton over those six weeks. Not, not because anybody told me to or not because of out of some strong self-control or discipline. I prayed out of desperation over the last six weeks or so. And man, the Lord has taken me to a much deeper level when it comes to prayer. You'll be hearing more about prayer in the weeks to come. I think the Lord wants to take our whole church to a deeper level in prayer. I had a lot of time to meditate on the Word during that time, and the Lord has just done a, a pretty significant work in my heart, I think, and He's, he's not done. Uh, it's, it, it is continuing, and I asked the, the other elders if it would be okay this morning if I didn't jump directly back into the book of Luke, but instead just kind of did a, a scripture meditation of sorts and just kind of walked you through some of what the Lord has been doing in my own heart over the past six weeks, and uh, they, they thought that would be a good idea, so that's what we'll do here this morning. Uh, this won't necessarily be a deep exegetical sermon uh, this morning. This will be a scripture meditation. These are things that I have just been churning on for six weeks now. This will be an overflow from my heart of sorts. Um, I've scratched out some notes, but I do really want the Lord to lead here this morning, so I'm going to hold on to these notes loosely. Uh, I may do the same type of thing next Sunday. I've really had two things kind of churning in my heart over the past six weeks. I haven't talked with the elders about it yet, but I will do that. And depending on how the Spirit leads, I may do this again um, next Sunday. I do trust this will be living water to your souls. That's what I've been praying, is that, that that's what you need. You don't need me to churn out sermons. You need living water from the Lord Jesus Christ. And that's what I've been asking Him for, that He will... He will feed all of us with, with living water. So uh, before we do look at John 7, let's just go to him in prayer. So Father, we do, we do just, uh, we still our souls before you. Lord, it is so easy to sing those words. And yet our souls are so stirred up by so many different things. So Father, we just ask that you would still our souls now. You're the only one who can do it. We ask that you would push back distractions. 
push back noise. We ask, Father, for the gentle Holy Spirit this morning. Father, the Spirit we just sung about, it gives life to the dead. The Spirit who empowers the church. Pray for the Holy Spirit this morning. Lord, I do think too many times in preaching, I have trusted in my own five loaves and two fish. I thank you for your forgiveness. Because Jesus, it's only when it's only when you take those five loaves and two fish in your hands that you then bless it and break it. And you feed the masses. And you feed them. Not five loaves and two fish. You feed them with yourself. The bread of life. And that is what we need. We just uh, acknowledge it. I acknowledge it. just humble myself before you, Lord. Thank you for your kindness. Thank you for your love. I thank you, Lord God, that you're a God who works through brokenness, through weakness, through suffering, through death. I thank you that you're a God but will not let us boast in our own flesh. Thank you that that's the way you are. Thank you that salvation goes to the poor in spirit and not those who are wealthy in spirit. Thank you, Father, that your grace runs downhill and it fills those who are humble and broken before you. And so we just hold ourselves up to you, Lord, this morning acknowledging That in our flesh we have nothing good. We have five loaves and two fish. And that's not enough to feed the masses. We thank you, Jesus, that you are more than willing to take those things into your hands and bless them and break them and feed the masses. So even this morning, I just ask that you would do that. You push me out of the way. Lord Jesus, you'd help us to hear from you. We thank you for it, Father. In the name of Jesus, amen. Before we read from John 7, let me just say a couple of things. About a month ago, uh, my family and I 
uh, had the opportunity to go out on vacation, a little small place that's in my father's side of the family in Cape Cod. It's free for us once we get there. Uh, it's just a matter of actually getting there with five little kids. That's, uh, <laughs> that's the, the challenge, uh, but it's free when we get there, and uh, so we had the privilege to go there. And I'll just, I just want to be honest with you. When I left for vacation, my soul was about as dry as it's ever been. Just absolutely dry, worn out, parched inside of my heart, just so terribly thirsty in my spirit. And listen, it it, it wasn't just a lack of water in my own soul, it was a lack of water to give you. Uh, That's actually one of the reasons I had six weeks off in the pulpit. I was originally scheduled to have three weeks off uh, from preaching, and um, I I, I just hit a point before vacation. I finally called the elders and said, I'm just so tired. I I really need to get out of the pulpit. It's not helping me. It's not. I didn't think it was helping you at that point, and the elders graciously um, pulled me out, and and the Lord supplied preachers. Kempton Turner out of nowhere was here to preach, and V.J. Misala has been here to preach. I mean, the Lord just graciously supplied. That was his that was his uh, plan for me, was to get me out of the pulpit, and uh, uh, man, it's been so good over the last, um, um, those weeks, and uh, just uh, heading out on vacation dry, uh, just parched, thirsty inside. I think many of you are probably feeling the same way. Uh, you, you maybe haven't articulated it in that word that you're dry, but you feel dry. You feel dry inside. You're maybe going through the motions right now. You're, you're continuing to do it, but you are parched in your soul. You, and for various reasons, it could be anything. But you, you feel it. You know when it's there. You just this dryness inside of your heart. And that was me. And man, as I began to read and pray on vacation, just asking the Lord what was going on in my heart, the Lord began to direct me back to this passage, John 7, one of, one of my favorite passages. We'll go ahead and read it. John seven thirty seven. John says, On the last day of the feast, the great day Jesus stood up and he cried out, If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the Scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. And John says here, verse 39, Now this Jesus said about the Spirit, whom those who believed in him were to receive, for as yet the Spirit had not been given, because Jesus was not yet glorified. Just a quick context, Jesus is at um, a feast. Uh, It was the Feast of Tabernacles. It was one of the three big feasts that the Jewish people celebrated. All the the Jewish men were required to go to Jerusalem for this feast. They were celebrating a couple things in the Feast of Tabernacles, celebrating their their long-ago deliverance from from slavery in Egypt. They were also celebrating the the end of the agricultural year. So the feast was also called the Feast of Ingathering. Um, And it was just a a, a very joyous feast. Um, the festival, it lasted for seven, a seven-day festival, very joyful. And then on the eighth day, they sacrificed a bull, a ram, seven lambs. It was a very solemn assembly on that eighth day after seven days of joy. So Jesus is at this festival. Disciples are there. By the time Jesus was born and in his day, the Jews had added to this festival a water-pouring ceremony. 
God didn't require it in the Old Testament. The Jewish people had kind of added this water portion to the feast. And, and it was really a way of just acknowledging that God was the giver of rain. So on all the first seven days of the festival, the people would go down to the pool of Siloam. They pull a bunch of water out of the pool. They would then parade through Jerusalem to the temple. And there they would pour the water upon the altar. They would do that for seven days, one time every, all each of those seven days. And then on that last day, the great day of the festival, the Jewish people would do it seven times. Seven trips to the pool of Siloam. Seven trips parading back through Jerusalem. Seven times just dousing the altar with water. Water everywhere. Water, water, water. And it's in that context when John says that Jesus stood up and he cried out, if anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. For out of his heart, whoever believes in me, out of his heart, as the scriptures say, will flow rivers of living water. Man, you just picture it. You just picture that. All the water, the people everywhere, Jesus standing up. He's just calling out to the thirsty people of this world. And he's not calling out to people who are thirsty for physical water. He's calling out to those who are thirsty for spiritual water. Everyone who thirsts, everyone who right now feels it, in your soul, you feel it. Come to me and drink. And man, we hear that type of language elsewhere in the Bible, coming to God or coming to Jesus and drinking. I want you to hold your finger in John 7, turn over to Isaiah 55, if you will. Lots of times in the Bible we, we hear this language of coming to God or coming to Jesus and drinking. Isaiah 55 verse 1. Come. Come, everyone who thirsts. Come to the waters. And he who has no money, come buy and eat. Come buy wine and milk without money and without price. Why do you spend your money for that which is not bread and your labor for that which does not satisfy? Listen diligent to me and eat what is good and delight yourselves in rich food. Incline your ear and come to me. Hear that your soul may live. Come, 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 come to me. Come to me all who are thirsty. And then turn over end of your Bible. Revelation 22 verse 17. Revelation twenty two seventeen the same type of language, coming and drinking. The Spirit and the bride say, come. And let the one who hears say, come. And let the one who is thirsty come. Let the one who desires to take the water of life, let the one who desires take the water of life without price. Come and drink. And man, Jesus then, John 7. Jesus grabs a hold of that language and applies it to himself. If anyone thirsts, let him come to me. Let him come to me and 
drink. Come to the person of the Lord Jesus Christ and, and drink. And how do you come to Jesus to drink? Jesus tells us there in John 7, it's very simple. You come to Jesus and drink through faith. Jesus says in verse 38, whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. So coming to Jesus involves faith. You come to him to drink through faith. You believe in your heart that Jesus truly can satisfy your thirst. You believe in your heart that Jesus truly will satisfy your thirst if you come to him and you come to Jesus in your heart in faith. You acknowledge to Jesus that you are thirsty. You acknowledge to Jesus that you are dry. You acknowledge to Jesus that you are parched in your heart. You come to him in faith, desperate for living water. You come in, you come in faith. What does Jesus give to the person who comes to him in faith? Living water. Living water. Verse 38. Whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. Living water. Revelation 22, you don't have to, you don't have to, uh, we, we just read it actually. Let the one who is thirsty come. Let the one who desires take the water of life without price. Living water. Turn over to John chapter 4, if you will. John chapter 4, verse 7. A lot of you probably know the story. Jesus has sat down by a well in Samaria Now look at verse 7. A woman from Samaria came to draw water. Jesus said to her, give me a drink. For his disciples had gone away into the city to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, how is it that you, a Jew, ask for a drink from me, a woman of Samaria? For Jews have no dealings with Samaritans. Jesus answered her, if you knew the gift of God and who it is that is saying to you, give me a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. And then verse 13 there, Jesus said to her, everyone who drinks of this water in this well here will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks of the water that I will give him will never be thirsty again. The water that I will give him will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. Man, what does Jesus give to those who come to him thirsty, coming to him in faith? He gives living water. The water of life. It becomes in them a a well springing up inside of them. A spring welling up inside of them. I was watching the news yesterday. I don't know if you've seen it down in Florida. There's there's now all this algae infested water. They're approaching July 4th, this holiday. And nobody's on the beaches because there's this nasty water all over the place. If you get in it as a, you can see it, just it's green sludge. You get in it as a human, it gives you rash and all this stuff. It's killing animals down there. Nasty water. Dead water. Compare that to water you might find in the mountains. Or Molly and I have been watching this documentary 
documentary on Alaska. These, these, the last couple of, 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 of huts that are built in a desolate place in Alaska. And they're just drinking from this, this clear water, clear as you could be. And one of the gentlemen said, feels like it gives you life when you drink this water. And then think of the water that Jesus gives so much better than that water. Living water, not just a water that satisfies your physical thirst, but a water that satisfies your soul thirst. Water that quenches the thirst within. And man, Jesus has promised to give this living water to everyone who comes to him in in faith. Jesus is the eternal son of God. He says, you come to me for for this living water. I will give it to you. And Jesus never ever lies and he gives it freely. The living water from Jesus is a free gift. You don't do anything good to get it. You come to him in faith, acknowledging that you're dry, acknowledging you're empty, acknowledging you're parched, and Jesus gives you living water. He gives it to you freely. Here's the question. What is the living water that Jesus gives you? You know what it is? John tells us, you read it again, verse 37, on the last day of the feast, the great day, Jesus stood up and cried out, if anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. Now, John adds, this Jesus said about the Spirit, whom those who believed in him were yet to receive. For as yet the Spirit had not been given because Jesus was not yet glorified. The living water that Jesus gives you when you come to Him in faith and you come to Him thirsty is the Holy Spirit. He gives you the Holy Spirit. The life-giving water of the Holy Spirit. That's what your soul craves. That's what your soul craves. Now we've all run around to all kinds of other things trying to quench the thirst within. But I'm telling you, that's what your soul craves. It's that life-giving water called the Holy Spirit. That's what it is. That's what every human heart is looking for, craving for, thirsting for. When Jesus spoke here about living water, he'd not yet been crucified. And Jesus was looking forward to the day after his crucifixion when he would be exalted to the right hand of the Father and he would then give the Holy Spirit to every single person who genuinely believed in him. Living water that Jesus gives to the thirsty one who comes to him in faith is the Holy Spirit. That's living water for your soul. And listen, the living water that, that Jesus will give to you When he comes to you in faith, that living water is not just for you. It's not just for your soul. It is for your soul. It's to quench the thirst within your own heart. Yes, Jesus gives you the Holy Spirit to quench your soul thirst. But it's not just for you. Jesus gives the Holy Spirit to you. In order that the Holy Spirit might then flow out of you to other people. And look again at what Jesus says in John, John 7, 37. Look at it closely. If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. 
Whoever believes in me, as the Scripture has said, out of his heart, your heart, will flow rivers of living water. He's saying that these rivers of living water, when you come to him in faith, they will flow out of your heart. John chapter 4, Jesus told the woman at the well that the water would, would be in her, a spring of water welling up into eternal life. When you come to Jesus for water, you receive the life-giving water of the Holy Spirit for your soul, but that life-giving water of the Holy Spirit then flows out of you in powerful ways to the people who are around you. And Jesus gives this living water called the Holy Spirit. He he gives this water of the Spirit to thirsty people initially the first time you genuinely come to Him in faith. But listen, Jesus doesn't just want to give you that living water one time. You see, Jesus... After you're filled with the living water of the Spirit, after you have the Holy Spirit, He will then give you more and more and more and more and more and more and more as you keep coming to Him in faith. The first time you genuinely trust in Jesus, you have all of the Holy Spirit, yes. But the Bible talks about being filled with the Holy Spirit. You go to the book of Acts and the apostles were filled with the Spirit repeatedly. More and more and more and more. They prayed and God filled them with the Spirit. They prayed and God filled them with the Spirit. He was filling them repeatedly. Paul prays for the Ephesians that they would be filled with all of the fullness of God. Paul says in Ephesians 5, don't be drunk with wine, which is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit. Yes, you have the Spirit when you first come to Christ. You have all the Spirit. But God then wants to fill you with the Spirit. Fill you with more and more of the fullness of God in your life. Listen, some of you, it's very, very possible you've never yet tasted the Holy Spirit initially. You've never yet tasted Him one time. You've, you've never yet truly come to Jesus in faith and received living water from him. You've come to religion, maybe. You, you've come to a bunch of dead works. But you've never come to Jesus, just a little child coming to him in faith. You've not tested, tasted yet for the very first time the living water of the Holy Spirit. And because you've never yet tasted the Holy Spirit, Christianity is pretty boring to you. It's dull, doesn't interest you all that much. Jesus is pretty boring to you. And Jesus is calling you to come to him today. And man, once you truly taste of his living water, you'll know it. You'll know it, and then your heart just craves for it the rest of your life. And when you don't have it, and you don't sense it, you're not tasting it, you know it. And you long for more and more of it. Jesus gives you the Holy Spirit, the taste of the Spirit when you initially come to Him. But Jesus then wants to give you the living water of the Holy Spirit more and more. Doesn't just want you to have the Holy Spirit. Jesus wants you to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Overflowing with the life-giving power of the Holy Spirit. 
Man, as a Christian, as a believer, you can be filled more and more with the Holy Spirit. You can have more living water inside of you. You can have more living water flowing out of you to other people. You just can. But listen, that doesn't happen automatically. That doesn't happen automatically. You're not just filled with a Holy Spirit automatically. You just sit back and do nothing and then, oh wow, you're filled to overflowing with all this power of the Holy Spirit. It doesn't work like that. There are things that you can do to be filled more and more with the Holy Spirit. There are things that you can do to quench the Holy Spirit. Paul gave us one in Ephesians 5. Do not be drunk with wine, which is debauchery. But be filled with the Spirit. If you're getting drunk with wine, you are quenching the filling of the Holy Spirit in your life. You're quenching the power of the Holy Spirit in your life. Man, Jesus he wants to fill us with the Spirit. Initially, being born again. But then fill us more and more and more with the Holy Spirit. And how does it work? You go to Jesus in faith. He's the fountain of living water. So if you've already come to him in faith and you've become a Christian, well now Jesus would say to you, come now. Come more. Come to me more and receive more living water for your soul. More living water for you. More living water flowing out of you to other people. Amen. The more we're filled with the Holy Spirit, the more we're filled with that living water from the Spirit, the more evidence of the Holy Spirit we see in our lives, the more evidence of the Holy Spirit we see in our church. You have more fruits of the Holy Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. You have more fruits of the Spirit. You have more of the power of the Holy Spirit. You have more boldness from the Holy Spirit. You have a stronger faith in the Holy Spirit, a risk-taking faith in the Spirit. You have more courage, you have more love, you have more kindness, you have, you have more, feed, more food to feed other people in your life. And man, that's how God wants us to live. Filled initially with all of the Holy Spirit, but then receiving more and more and more living water and just overflowing with life-giving water for other people. You sense it in your own soul and other people sense it when you talk to them and when you're around them. That's how God wants us to live the Christian life. Went out on vacation, man, dry, dry as a bone, drained of life-giving water. Just praying over these verses, Jesus, help me to come to you now in faith. Help me to come to you. Please give me living water in my soul. I don't know what's the matter with me right now. Please give me living water in my soul. And man, if you are dry right now, if you are drained of life, if you are drained of power, that's where the answer is found. That you would humble yourself again and you would go like a little child to Jesus Christ and you would tell him that you are parched in your soul and you would ask him for living water. When you do that, you are going to him in faith and he responds to that and graciously gives living water. But listen, if you are dry right now and you are going to go to Jesus for living water, let me tell you the first thing that Jesus will probably do for you. Jesus will probably show you sin in your own heart. 
Before Jesus ever fills you with the life-giving water of the Holy Spirit, more of that life-giving water, Jesus will probably show you some unconfessed, unrepentant, hidden sin in your heart. He will shine the spotlight of the Holy Spirit on your heart and reveal some sin. And why? Because sin is the primary reason for all of the spiritual dryness in our lives. Sin is the primary reason for all the spiritual dryness in our lives. Sin is the primary reason why we're not filled more to overflowing with the Holy Spirit. Sin quenches the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives. I was asking Jesus on vacation why my soul was so dry. And let me, let me just tell you where, where Jesus took me. You don't have to turn there. But, but Jesus took me back to Jeremiah 2. Just listen to these words. Jeremiah 2 verse 12. Be appalled, O heavens, at this. Be shocked. Be utterly desolate, declares the Lord. For my people have committed two evils. They have forsaken me. The fountain of living waters. And they've hewed out cisterns for themselves. Broken cisterns that can hold no water. Primary reason why I experience dryness as believers in our lives. Twofold. In our hearts, we have somehow forsaken, we have turned away from Jesus, the only one who can give us that life-giving water. Our hearts have somehow turned away from him, and we've begun to look elsewhere for water to satisfy the dryness within. You've begun to look for, for, for water in, in self-indulgence. You begin to look for water in, in, in work or, or your family. You become to look for that, that ultimate water in, in, in some other thing in this life. And it produces a dryness within the human heart. And that dryness is telling you something. You've turned away from Jesus in your heart to some degree. And you're looking elsewhere to be, to be satisfied He's telling you through that dryness, it's very gracious, it's very kind of Jesus. He's telling you, you have sin in your life. You have sin in your heart. Man, I was on vacation just thinking through this stuff. Living water, Lord, need living water, need living water, fill me. Man, just remember this book I read ages ago called The Calvary Road by Roy Hessian. Remembered an illustration he, he gave in that book, and I, later I pulled up the book and looked at it again. And, and here's what he says about this thing, living water and sin. Here, here's what he says. He says, think of your heart as, as a cup. Okay, you have this cup, your, your heart, and you hold that out to Jesus, and you, you want his living water in your heart. And he says that Jesus has the golden pitcher of living water, and Jesus is so gracious, he's ready to give this living water called the Spirit to anybody who comes to him in faith. But Jesus looks into that cup, and he sees all of this hidden, unconfessed, unrepentant sin that just dirties the inside of the cup. And he doesn't pour that much living water into that cup. Some of you have never tasted the Holy Spirit because you've never repented of sin. 
You've come to Jesus asking him for living water, but you've never genuinely confessed your sin. You've never really let him clean the inside of your cup in order that you might receive the living water. But listen, after you become a Christian, it's those hidden, unconfessed, unrepentant sins that that kind of filthy up the, the, the cup. And we go to Jesus and say, I need living water. And he says, what about your cup? And you could think of it like this, not, maybe not the sins dirtying up the cup, but think of the sins clogging up the cup. And Jesus wants to pour life-giving water of the Holy Spirit, more of it into that cup, but it's clogged with hidden, unconfessed, unrepentant sin. You can think of your heart, maybe another illustration would be as an artery. Living water, as a believer, it should flow naturally from Jesus into our hearts and then out of us to other people. But when an artery gets clogged, the water can't flow in, the water can't flow out very well, and you have a heart attack after a while. That's the dryness. That's the lack of living water in our hearts. There it is, right there, I believe. It's in, the, it's, it's in those sins that are still hidden in our hearts, unconfessed sins. So listen, if you're dry now and you desperately need more living water from Jesus, let me, let me encourage you, go to Jesus in faith. But listen, be forewarned. Because the very first thing Jesus will probably do to prepare you to receive more living water, he will show you sin that has made your cup, your heart dry. Sin that's clogging up the cup. He'll show you the sin in your heart and in your life. And then you have a choice. You can either make an excuse and say, my parents did it. My boss did it to me. My neighbor did it to me. Or you can simply agree with the Lord Jesus in humility. Do you know what that, do you know that's what the word confession means? You simply agree. The Holy Spirit shines the spotlight on your heart, shows you sin, and you say, yes, Lord. Yes, Lord, there it is, there it is. I see it, Lord. Yes, I see that sin. And as soon as you see it, don't wallow in it because Jesus has made a way for you to be cleansed of that sin. You take that thing immediately to the cross. And here's the thing. Jesus drank a cup on the cross. He drank a cup of your sin if you trust in him. He drank the cup of punishment for your sin. So you go back to the cross with that sin, confess it, Lord Jesus, put it under the blood. Yes, I see it. Yes, cleanse me of that sin. And in that process, your cup is being cleansed. And Jesus then fills you with more living water. Listen, you're filled with more of the living water of the Holy Spirit through confession, through brokenness, through weakness. So man, if you... I want living water from Jesus. Be prepared for Jesus to reveal sin. And that's what he did for me. That's what he did for me. The last six weeks on vacation, man, I was dry. I went to him, Jesus, give me more living water. Give me more living water. Give me more living water. And Jesus began to show me sin. And he went deep in my heart. Started with obvious things. I was writing them in my journal. Let me confess to you. He showed me I'd just not simply been going to him on a daily basis in faith for living water. I had, I had my quiet times. I just wasn't going to Jesus in faith, broken, desperate, fill me with living water. There was a lack of, a lack of prayer in my life. 
I prayed, but I didn't pray to the level the Lord wants me to pray. I was weak in prayer. And I knew it, man. That was the first thing I saw on vacation. I had been irritable. My wife, my kids, impatient, grumbling, complaining, anger. Jesus showed me obvious things. He then began to go a little deeper in my heart, more subtle self-sins. <laughs> Man, we all, you know, in our hearts, we all have this very hard and proud self that lives in there. And we often try to live the Christian life through our hard and proud self. We try to do Christian ministry through a hard and proud self. And Jesus wants to break it. Because he doesn't live, he doesn't work through hard, proud self. He works through us when we are broken. Not I, but Christ. And it's those self-sins that are very subtle, hidden. And man, they just wall off the flow of the Spirit in our lives. And Man, he was showing me some. Let me, let me confess. Self-seeking in ministry. It's very subtle, it's very hard for a pastor not to seek his own reputation when he preaches a sermon, when he does anything. Self-seeking in ministry, I saw it, I confessed it. I've confessed it to my elders, I've confessed it to um, my wife. Self-defense. Fighting for my own rights, standing up for my own rights. You know when Jesus walked on this earth, he was a worm. Go try to step on a worm today and see what happens. But too often, we are not worms walking in the footsteps of Jesus. We are snakes. And somebody tries to step on us, and we rise up and snap at them. And I, I saw that, confessed it. Self-indulgence in, in different ways. Self-pity in trials. Here's the big one. And I, Lord willing, we'll talk more about this next Sunday. Self-effort in ministry. Self-effort in Christian ministry. Fleshly striving in Christian ministry. I just have a sinful, sinful tendency to trust in myself. My own efforts, my own labors, my own sermons. Sinful tendency to trust in my five little loaves and two fish. Self-effort. Man. <laughs> Confession is fun, isn't it? <laughs> oh, but it's so stinking good. That's the path of life, is to go to the place of brokenness and see it. There it is, man. That, and then guess what? That's where you find the Spirit. And Jesus only takes you, he only shows you your sin. He only leads you to confession to him and to other people because he wants to fill you with more living water. He wants to fill you with more living water, breaking the proud eye in you. Do, you. do you know what this, you know what I'm talking about here? Do you, you know what I'm really talking about here? When we talk about having more of the Spirit in you, you know, you know what it is simply? It's more of the life of Jesus in you. That's all it is. Because the Holy Spirit is the Spirit of Jesus. So if you have more Holy Spirit in you, that is more of the life of Jesus in you. You have more Jesus in you, more Jesus walking through you, more Jesus being manifested in you, as Paul says in 2 Corinthians 4. 
But listen, more of Jesus being manifested in you, more of the Holy Spirit in you, that only comes by you dying. And so if you go to him today and you're asking him, I want more living water, please quench this thirst within, he's going to show you sin and then you're going to have a choice. What are you going to do with the sin? Make excuses or say, yes, Lord, you got me. Humble confession and God gives grace to the humble. And you can take it to the cross and it can be washed, cleansed, the cup being emptied. And Jesus will graciously pour more living water in you. You know what that's called? Let me tell you what that's called. When the Holy Spirit, you get more, more sin, more repentance, more brokenness, more confession, more humility, and you get more of the life-giving water of the Holy Spirit in you. Do you know what that's called? That's called revival. That's called revival. That's called revival. Revival is not some strange thing that only happens in New England in the 1700s. No, revival is meant to happen in the Christian life on an ongoing daily basis. It only means more of the life of Jesus in you. More life, more life, more life, more life. But that only comes into you as you die progressively. More and more confessing your sin and being filled with more living water. And listen, guess what happens when, when this, 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 begin, this process begins to happen with more and more people in a local church? That's a big revival. That's a big revival. That's power. That's the fruits of the Spirit. And guess what? That's when the lost are radically impacted by a revived church full of the Holy Spirit, full of the life of Jesus. So man, the Lord has taken me through a process. I want more water? Okay, here's your sin. (laughs) Okay, you got me. And man, it's been hard confessing to Molly, confessing to the elders, confessing to a lot of people. Yuck, but I can sense it coming. (laughs) More water, life-giving water from the Holy Spirit filling me again, reviving me, satisfying my soul, freeing me up from silly, stupid things. More of the water. Man, what about you? Let me say this to you. I pray you'll receive this. Jesus has more for you. Please receive that. Jesus has more for you than what you've experienced to this point. As some of you, you've never tasted the living water of the Holy Spirit. He can give it to you today. You come to him in faith. It's possible that you, you have tasted, but now you're kind of dry, and Jesus is saying, come back to me again. I'll show you sin. You can confess it. Put it under the blood. I'll give you more water. Maybe you don't feel dry today and you're sitting here, well, that's not really me. Guess what? Jesus still has more for you. We can be filled more and more with the Holy Spirit till the day Jesus returns. A revival in our hearts. So man, I just, uh, <laughs> I just end with this. Come to Jesus. Come to Jesus today because he says to you, if anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, out of his heart, out of her heart, will flow rivers of living water. And we need more of that. We need more of it. Let's pray.
So Lord, I just thank you. God, you're just so good. Thank you for your great forgiveness, your great love, your great kindness. Thank you. I just pray now. I just pause for a second and just pray. I pray right now, Holy Spirit, that you would shine a spotlight into all of our hearts and you begin to reveal more hidden sin. And just ask you to search your heart right now. Ask you as you're sitting there, just pause and search your heart. Is there self-energy in your Christian service? Is there self-complacency in service? Self-pity in trials or difficulties? Self-seeking in your place of employment or self-seeking in Christian work? Self-indulgence of some sort. Have you been overly sensitive when people have crossed you in some way? Touchy. Resentful, bitter. Self-defense. When you've been hurt or injured. Overly self-conscious, thinking about yourself. Overly reserved or worried or fearful about yourself. They all spring up from a sinful self. Make our cups unclean and full. And we ask, Lord, you'd expose those things now. And you'd empower us to go to the cross quickly. And to receive forgiveness. And you'd fill us. He quenched the dryness in our souls with the Holy Spirit. And you fill us. Give us more, Lord, more of the Holy Spirit, we pray. Thank you, Father, the Savior who died for us. We ask you for more of that now, Lord. In the name of Jesus, amen. We have um, taken the Lord's Supper this morning perfect time to come to Jesus in faith in your heart uh, the, the Lord's Supper it reminds us of the death of Jesus for sinners like us the bread is his body cup his blood that was poured out for the forgiveness of sinners this table the Lord's table